Episode 35, Judy Van Neerkirk. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless. Tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Worlds they live by. For example, put the cookie down. Origins, biggest failures, fears, awakening moments, Yoda questions, yin yang, the alpha round, and their wake up question to finish. If you'd like to sponsor any or all of the Awaken Your Alpha podcasts, just get in touch. Uh, we are currently in over 70 countries and with over 10,000 downloads in 48 in the American states. And uh, UK is our biggest market so far, closely followed by United States and then Australia. So get in touch today, whether you've got a, a product, a book, a launch, or something that's going on, or you're just a big bad boy company who wants to have a regular spot, we can do you a great deal. Get to the podcast! Okay, we've got another alpha woman with us today, guys. We have Judy Van Neerkirk. Uh, she's an Amazon bestseller from Against the Grain, with, which was co-authored with Brian Tracy, and that was how our paths crossed at a bestseller summit. Um, she's the founder of the Sacred Leadership. Um, it's an institute. Um, well, wait a second. I'm just going to read this, and I can cut this in to make it sound better. <laughs> okay. okay. Institute for the transformational training platform for entrepreneurs that exponentially grows their income, life, and success based on our principles of marrying our inner technology with our outer technology and involves exponential thinking compounding actions and cutting edge marketing good job i'm reading that <laughs> she's a <laughs> serial social entrepreneur thought leader and visionary works with thousands of entrepreneurs in developing countries training assisting them with new business paradigms and funding through crowdfunding um i'm going to be really interested in this sort of helping developing countries because that's something i'm passionate about and sort of i love some of the countries that are maybe slightly underdeveloped but firstly judy are you ready to awaken your alpha Oh, always, always. <laughs> Even when I'm sleeping, I am. <laughs> Is there anything you'd like to add? Any key things you'd like to add to that sort of uh, introduction I just did for you? Well, uh, one of the most important things I think as entrepreneurs that we that is there is a tremendous amount of wisdom to be mindful of, of at the moment is the whole concept around exponential technologies because it, we're growing and, and evolving at such a fast rate that at the moment there's a lot of exponential technology development happening that is in a very deceptive phase right now so we're not aware of it but it's happening it's growing and it's and when it breaks through it comes into a stage of being deceptive and that's where it, uh, sorry disruptive and that's where it starts adding um, complexities to people's lives individually and and socially and also um, community and in business more importantly in business so um, that is one of the very uh, critical core facts that I work with in, in identifying the the, end, the exponential technology development that might be applicable to entrepreneurs' business and to get them to start thinking exponentially rather than linear, linearly. Um, <laughs> and the other thing is that there's a massive opportunity at the moment for, for um, entrepreneurs on the ball to connect and collaborate with entrepreneurs in the emerging entrepreneurs in developing countries because it's the entrepreneurs in these developing regions that are going to be catalyst to the next global growth, substantial global growth in our, in our economy, um, which is going to be more sustainable and based on equality and not in the hands of a few, but in the hands of many. Um, I know you, we just talked about, um, would you like to tell everyone where you're coming from today? Because um, you just explained to me, it sounded quite 
quite nice. Oh, yes. Well, I'm uh, about 200 meters on the north side of um, the Thames from Tower Bridge and glorious. I mean, it's the most inspiring spot to work. Um, I've got an apartment on the river with a balcony that if you sit back, Ooh, um, honestly, you think you're on a yacht. <laughs> and strangely, as we just said, right in the heart of London, your uh, your network's not too good there. <laughs> your bandwidth. I know. I know. At the other side of the tower of Tower Bridge, you know, it, intercity. It, I think it's got fiber optic. It's really fast. But this side, you know, fiber optic hasn't reached us yet. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day. Um, I like to get right in there. Have you got like a a quote that you like to live your life by that really resonates with you? It means a lot to me. This quote it means so much to me. Um, is that um, what I dream of my future, or what you dream for your future, what you plan for tomorrow is as important as what you do today. Brilliant. So in a way, it's, it's the opposite side of don't put off to tomorrow what you can do today. It's the opposite side of that. But I think it's just more descriptive because it makes me, keeps me going every day that oh, I can put it off tomorrow. I can do it next week or next month, whatever. No, what I plan for the future, what I dream for my future, what I plan for my for tomorrow is as important as today. So I think with that mindset, you do get tremendous amounts done. Definitely. And, it, and, and, and the more you get done, the more you achieve. Brilliant. I mean, the sharper ones amongst us will have noticed there's a slight twang on your voice, slight accent. Uh, where are you originally from? Can we find out a little bit about your origins? Well, um, born in London, but only stayed here for a few months. So Irish parents moved back to Ireland and, um, I lived a very unusual life in Ireland um, in that I was incarcerated for about 20 years by my father. And, me. Yeah. Um, that's, very, not, that's not standard, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. it's not. It's not how normal Irish families bring up their children. Um, and I was incarcerated and he, you know, he'd raped me, shot me. I've been gang raped. Oh goodness. Uh, all sorts of uh, pretty... Right, I had no idea. that <laughs> It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes and no. Yeah, yeah, yes, it was, and um, but uh, no, it's not because of um, what it's made me become, what yeah. who I've become as a result. So eventually, when I literally escaped in the middle of the night in my early twenties, I uh, went to South Africa. That's that's picked, the accent I'm picking up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've been in South Africa now for. Um, um, about 20 odd years, giving away my age, 20 odd years. And then the past couple of years, I've been now back in London. Um, and it's really weird. I grew up all through my life, you know, incarcerated, not going to schools, not being, you know, being literally locked up in a room. You, you were literally, was this, was this at your home at the time when you was younger? You was literally locked at home. Yeah. Yes. My father took me away from the family home and that's the environment that I lived in. Blimey. And, um, he, uh, he, but I grew up with a tremendous amount of a tremendous fascination for South Africa, and as soon as I escaped, I felt driven to to go there. And uh, I can understand why. It's funny because it was somebody asked me recently why, and I think the best way is it's, it's historically a nation of of being of people being overpowered, and that's how I was growing up. And you know, I've subsequently spent the past number of years striving to empower those that are overpowered specifically around um specifically economically that's the most thing that's one of apart from your um civil sort of freedom i say that being economically empowered is one of the most foundational things that we we need clearly you don't have to go into details but i just i'm i'm just curious along the fact of 
was there any kind of justice done about this? Because obviously you, I'm not vengeful, but you can't go around doing that to people for 20 years. Does anything come of that? Or is it just kind of letting it go? Or? Well, I can, I can go into take this off into a different tangent. And um, it, yeah, it's very much, a lot of, lot of, very much core to a lot of the work I do. But um, when I did escape, um, as you can imagine, in those years of incarceration, it was very dark, yeah. very, a lot of hell. Um, a lot of violence and fear and terror. My father would drug me. I mean, he, I was pregnant numerous times. Um, he aborted. He's not a doctor, so it's pretty violent. Yeah. Then I escaped and I went to South Africa and I built an incredibly successful life for myself. Very, I was financially uh, successful. I could never keep a job. I was always fired from every job. As you can imagine, I wasn't very well socialized. Yeah. Um, so I had to become an entrepreneur. I had no choice. Um, and then I, um, uh, had built a really good life and became, um, successful and got involved in great sports and had anything that my, I had money for anything my heart desired, but I was living in hell because I was, and I was taking overdoses. And one year I took about 11 overdoses, had several near-death experiences. My friends were taking bets that I wouldn't see that year out. I'd be dead before the end of the year. Um, so everything I was doing was extreme sports, extreme danger. It wasn't until I woke up from the last overdose I took that, it real, that I realized what the problem was. And the issue was that once I was living in the, the incarceration in, in those years of loneliness, I had tremendous amount of um, calm, um, strength, uh, self-love, self-worth, self-belief, um, and, and knowing that um, there was something bigger and better in the world. And that was formed through a ritual that I had that I would do every day with in a bathroom, I would look into the mirror and look into my eyes and connect down into something very deep inside me, almost like reaching down into my solar plexus. And I used to call it my something. And it was something that was right here and I would reach into and connect with it. And that just gave me tremendous strength, tremendous sense of calm, inner peace and, and, um, and courage. When I escaped and I, in my endeavors to become socialized, I started looking, as we all do, unfortunately, started looking outside of myself for love, for acceptance, for belonging, for, for appreciation, for to be appreciated. Craziness for me, that disconnect. I disconnected from my authentic self and I couldn't handle it anymore and life was hell. Outside it was, it was heaven, but inside it was true hell. And, and it wasn't until I realized that I've got to reconnect with myself. Yeah. Did I start creating that balance in my life? Obviously, you, you said you had multiple near-death ex- uh, experiences that year and sort of overdosed and stuff. What made that like that 11th time or that time that actually sort of you started to turn it around? What made that more like an awakening type moment? Why was it any different? I think because um, every time I did do it and I went into this sort of um, comatose state, um, there was a lot of processing happening in the subconscious and unconscious mind. Um, And after I came out of a coma, my mind was very calm, very still, and I generally lived a very quiet um, life for a couple of weeks before I went off and got frenetic again. I had an ability to, to 
ask myself questions and be introspective and um, obviously doing a lot of writing and, and journaling and stuff like that. And it was just a process. I think it was literally just a process. And just that last time, um, you know, because the, there was there was a one time when I didn't feel like I'd achieved that level of calmness after the overdose. So straight away, I took another one. In fact, there was one I took three simultaneously. One of them whilst I was still in high care in hospital um, in order to get that sense of calm, get that sense of... Did you ever think you was going to die? Well, the last few, I knew that I, you know, my body was taking strain. Make no mistake about it. I was taking serious strain. Um, it was to the point where um, I didn't want to commit suicide. That was not the point, but it was, I needed, I, I had to reach that level of calm. If I died in the process, say la vie. Yeah. But I, life wasn't worth living in this crazy madness that was in my head. I just wanted that calmness and I would do what it took to get that calmness. So it's more like that. Ooh, blimey. So coming out of this or even, I mean, it sounds so, like a very internal thing and very sort of, you did that by yourself, but even if it wasn't around then, is there any a stage in your life where you, you, where it's really our Yoda question where someone, was there anyone who really helped awaken your alpha to take it to the next level? My husband. <laughs> <laughs> my husband, um, most definitely. He was, um, yeah, um, I mean, he where, was. Where, where, where was his timeline in all this uh, process? Did you meet him long after all this was done and dusted? No, or no, no. Whilst I was taking right, right in the middle of the madness, yeah. Um, yeah. he, we met through a friend of our, a mutual friend of ours, and um, he um, just became one of those solid friends that I could speak to. And when it was getting crazy, I would, I would be able to tell him that, yeah, I'm going to take another overdose whatever and he would say well you've got to do what you've got to do you know but you know it's stupid you're an intelligent woman but anyway you've got to do what you've got to do so we were mates for a couple of years and he was like that rock for me I, I think on some level I knew we would end up together he was very keen but I was running a mile and <laughs> to be getting involved in relationships that were destructive but uh, yeah and at, after that last overdose during that process um, of taking those overdose in my efforts to decision or conclusion which is I'm going through this hell because of my childhood experiences and all that sort of stuff which it which is so excuse the language crap yeah. okay I went through that that those experiences because I lost touch with my authentic self. I lost, lost who I was. So I went and I did report my father. I went back to Ireland and I reported him. Good. And Good. the case took three years to, um, to investigate by the police. And eventually it went to trial. I went to court, went to, trial, went to the high court. And by then I was involved with Tiny. I'd, I'd take, you know, the last overdose I'd taken and I had taken, I'd, my life had turned a corner. I was now involved with my soulmate, my husband, yep. now husband, boyfriend at the time. And we both went over to Dublin and uh, I get an impact statement, I think it's called, in court and out of camera. Okay. So it means it was in public. Yep. And he got 54 years. It had never happened before. It made world news and, and so on. The thing is, he went to prison. Um, I hadn't held out a camera because by then I'd realized it wasn't about revenge for me. It yeah, wasn't about say, did justice. You feel, did you feel any different? I mean, it, it doesn't, like you say, it doesn't change what happened, but it's just, a, I, it's just I justice, felt, I guess. But. I didn't feel different. I felt guilty. I felt guilty, yeah. Because 
I had a more deeper understanding of what had happened, how it happened, and, and, and so on, which, which, which we could go into, but it's another whole... Can I ask you this? Was it, was, were you just an isolated sort of incident, or was this a history of this? Were there others, or was it just you, just being very... Like, with my father? Yes. Yeah. It was just me, yeah. Okay. It was just me. It, there was an obsession there. You know, even in, the, in his statement to police, he said that I was his life. We lived as husband and wife, and when I left, she, you know, I broke his heart and he'll never forgive me. It didn't help his cause. No. But three years after that, he was transferred to a hospice and the detectives phoned me and said he is, uh, you know, he's not got long to live. So I uh, knew instantly what I needed to do. So I got on a plane and went over to see him. Um, and Tiny came with me the first time and uh, he wouldn't see Tiny, he wouldn't have Tiny in the room. And the first thing he said to me, actually, was how could I bring another man into our life? So, oh, so. my goodness. <laughs> so I spent a few hours with him that day and then a couple of, a couple of times after that, um, over a period of a week. It was a, a surreal time, but um, he died not long after that. But one of my most prized possessions is a photograph I have with him during one of those visits because I went to tell him that I loved him. And I'm deeply, deeply grateful for him. And that, is, uh, that was very important for me to do. It was a gift that I didn't understand the, the, the power of that gift from the universe at the time. But as, I, as, as, the, as the following years went by, I started to really, truly understand it and value it. Did you go to, so far to say, obviously you said that, but did, did you go along the classic lines of, did you say you forgive him or did he even, was he even interested in that? Or is that a different issue? Yeah, it is. Forgiveness for me is a different, uh, is a different thing. Forgiveness is about, is a judgment. Yeah. It's, I am judging him for having done something bad. That's what forgiveness. Yeah. And um, when, when you do the work that I have done, and I work with many people to do this, is you, you work from a place of the heart, and there is no judgment. There's no place for judgment. So forgiveness doesn't really come into it. I'd rather talk about gratitude. Yeah. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but that, that is a, it's a massive topic on its own. But um, essentially, that is more how I would explain it. Blimey. So around all these issues, then, I, I really, I think it leads on, makes quite a bit of sense, though, around these issues. Is there any advice you can give to guys who are just, you know, who are letting some event or some, something where they maybe had bad luck or had bad experiences, not just because your route, it doesn't always end out like you and some people hold on to this crap for years and that is their literally their passport to say I'm a loser but this is why for the rest of their life yeah Have you got any advice I mean like it sounds like you started to touch on some stuff like moving on obviously and not judging and just doing something that's gonna that's gonna help you long term not just holding on to stuff and holding grudges by the sound of it i know we can't go into this for too long but have you got some key bits of advice and just some principles yeah it's it's what i call um when you have um experiences in life that are holding you back that are um creating a conflict or frustration in your life or pain and, and uh, even agony in your life you need to charge those challenges because when you charge those challenges, then you can capitalize. And that's what I do today. I capitalize by teaching others yep. how to deal with their challenges. And I monetize people, buy my programs, buy my books, buy my 
um, coaching sessions. Um, and then you get to champion your challenges like Nelson Mandela or Mahatma Gandhi or many other people. Um, so the, well, the foundational principle of charging your challenges is understanding that there are two sides to every story. It's understand well, where have you gained, where have you benefited from that experience? Because every time you see just the judgment of it, the negative judgment of it, what you're doing is you're closing down your heart energy. And when you close down your heart energy, which is 5,000, magnetically 5,000 times more powerful than your brain, mm -hmm. and, and hundreds of times more powerful electrically than your brain, you're shutting down a major part of your technology. Yeah. A phenomenal amount of your technology and your ability. It's about unlocking your inner technology. That's, you know, that's what it's, it's about. And when you do unlock that inner technology and you marry that to the outer technology, there's no limit. You, you, w with your challenge, you're the only one that's holding you back. And there's another thing that I would love to say, a way of, of phrasing it is that if you're still holding on to a challenge that, just, that is defining you, that person that you perceive has caused that for you is still abusing you. Yeah. Still giving them permission to abuse you and overpower you. Why would you want to do that? Um, at the end of the day, nobody else can help you. Nobody, no therapist, no drugs, no nothing. And it's about creating an environment for you to reconnect with yourself, reconnect with your heart, and have the strength and courage to love yourself unconditionally. And through that process, you start charging your challenges, you start deconditioning your heart, you start opening your heart to its full power and, and heart energy. Because what we do during life is as we grow older and every judgment we have, every, con every suffering we experience, we close down that heart energy more and more and more where we live totally in our head and not at all in our heart. That's the shortest journey but the hardest journey in life to take is from the head to the heart. Yeah, Brilliant. Okay, we've made it to the alpha round. This is where you're going to give us, I mean that was great advice, you're going to give us some little tools and tips and some resources i'm going to start that off with could you recommend a good book for us my my life is about business and opportunity that's what i love to see yep. and what one of the things that happens when you condition your heart you close your heart down and you become fearful and and judgmental and uh scared is you adopt a very much a scarcity mentality and that sits in all areas of your life it sits in your relationships in your in your, um, in your finances, it sits in your business, it sits everywhere. Um, and the fact, the truth is, there is only abundance. There is no scarcity. Society and media loves to promulgate this fear because it keeps everyone controlled. Yeah. And it's part of our lizard brain, the amygdala, um, amygdala in our lizard brain, it sort of attracts it and all that. But we're bigger than that. Because I, I believe we've got two purposes in life. One, and a sacred inner purpose to transcend the limitations of the mind and ego. That's our sole purpose. And that's the same for every single one of us. And the second one is an outer purpose, which is what we were born to do. And that what we were born to do is, this, is the journey we need to take to achieve our inner purpose. You can't do that if you're only seeing scarcity around you. When you're living that inner and outer purpose in alignment with that, you only see abundance. Now, one of the best books that I can recommend about abundance is a book called Abundance, Peter Diamandis. Perfect. It is not a self-development book. It is not about anything ethereal. It is about 
technology. What is going on in our planet right now in terms of abundance from water to, to uh, renewable resources to, to technology to, to um, medical um, um, developments? It just is a book to, to spark abundant flame for, the, for even the most scarcity thinking person. <laughs> Brilliant. That sounds very useful for absolutely everyone. I don't think I don't think you can have too much of an abundance mindset, really. Um, have you got a particularly high tech resource and a particularly low tech resource that you use almost daily? The, the most high tech resource I use is I listen to one of my my husband's songs every day because <laughs> <laughs> it's got like it's just so uplifting. It's yeah. standing. My favorite is "Stand in Your Light." He's a great uh, songwriter and musician. Brilliant. Uh, that's the one. And and low resource is I write. I I actually physically write out my uh, goals for the day and uh, my gratitude. So I don't do it on the on computer. I don't no, type I it in. I actually physically write it. There's a lot to be said for just taking a pen in your hand and writing. Along with that, then, have you got another what you think is a particularly important alpha habit that you do? Well, med meditation. Yeah, definitely me meditation. Um, and sometimes it's meditation, sometimes it's just quiet time just to connect in with my heart. Because the one thing is I test my heart energy every single day. And I, I'm very, I'm, I have worked it to a point where um, I can access that heart energy to tell me anything, to heal anything, right from a hangover, for goodness sake, to a burn. <laughs> now, um, now you got my attention. No. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> Yeah, no, we, t we, um, we did that the other day. We did that the other day successfully. Um, it's, it's, it's just remarkable because all I did is I used my heart energy to help me. I had a few glasses of champagne too much to help me overcome this queasiness of, from the next day. Is there any practical tips you could give, uh, give our listeners of how you achieve that? Very complicated or hard to do. It, 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 it's not complicated, but the, 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 the higher the heart energy you're accessing, the more deconditioned your heart is the easier it is to access it. But one of the, one of the things that I, I, I recommend people start off with is to go into a quiet place, no distraction, no technology distractions, yeah. and a um, few deep breaths, put, the, you know, put your hand on your heart. It helps to focus your mind because our minds are so all over the place. That's the only reason I suggest that. And, and physically imagine yourself going into your heart. Physically imagine yourself seeing your heart and feeling it beating and just be there with it for a few minutes what thoughts are coming up in your mind let's say for example it's um i'll never i'll never make more money or i'll never get the job i'll never get the promotion i'm not good enough or i'll never find my soulmate whatever it is the negative talk that we all have all day long what is it that first comes up when you do that and just say to yourself it's okay it's okay. It's okay not to get the money that I want. It's okay. Let go of the attachment. Just with your hand on your heart, feel your heart. See it in your mind's eye. Acknowledge the negative thought that comes up. Acknowledge the person who's abused you, whatever, and just say it's okay. It's okay to let it go. It's okay to feel angry. There's, you know, so all the things that come up, just say it's okay and let it go. And that is the first step to deconditioning your heart. Brilliant. Okay. It's tremendous um, what happens when you do that. What do you think was, um, was holding you back? I mean, it sounds obvious from what we've been talking about, that, that, that large 
part of your life that was a big event um and then when you moved on away from it you got away from it you actually physically escaped escaped but you didn't quite escape what was holding you back once you'd ex- escaped when i escaped i mean how long from when you ex- escaped to when you really felt like you'd come through the tough times how long a period was that that was seven years yeah what do you think was holding you back in them seven years my drive to fit in with society my f- drive to be the same as everyone else to be accepted it's incredibly seductive yeah it's incredibly powerful to be one of the many is safe it is, it's, it's safe and it's also not safe, but it's, it, it's, it's superficially safe. It's, um, um, and it creates, and, and this fear of being isolated, this fear of being alone that society promulgates, um, um, nurtures that need to fit in with, with uh, society. And that's, that is what delayed the, inev- the, the inevitable for me. Um, because I embraced socializations with both hands, both feet, my whole body, and I went for it. And I succeeded in it. You know, I, I became very socialized. Not, not socialized enough that I could keep a job. So things had to get pretty desperate for me to, to wake up. Who do you think I should interview next or very soon? I mean, you can give me two options. You can give me someone who's like maybe an inspiration to you or a hero. You don't even have to know them. Someone who's well-known. And also it could be someone who who you know really well and think would be very useful for this uh, sort of type show um, that maybe other people don't know. Oh my gosh, where do I start? Um, I love uh, Chris Atwood. Um, He is a co-author of The Passion Test with Janet Atwood. Um, I don't know if you've had him on. He is- um, No, I haven't. That sounds good. Do you know him personally? I, I, well, I do, I've, I've chatted to him a few times. Yes. Okay, okay. Um, he, we're not on each other's speed no. dial or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, um, he, he's an amazing man. Beautiful man. Beautiful. That sounds like, well, that sounds like a good recommendation. Yeah. And, and one of the funny thing is I actually interviewed him, uh, not so long ago. Um, because he is, him and Janet have, um, um, have, are soon to about, they will be soon publishing a book about the power of rituals. Yeah. The funny thing is that is what I had when I was a child growing up was that ritual of connecting yeah. with myself. And, you know, so, um, so he's very much a guy that I connect with on a very deep level. So he would be great. Is there one question that you really wished I'd asked or thought I was going to ask and I didn't? How can people work with me? There you go. That, that was actually coming in my little wrap-up. I say, like, what's, what's the best pay? Oh, best pay. <laughs> pay as well. But what's the best way people can connect with you and then potentially work with um, you? Well, my website, um, and then I, ha- I have, the, um, I have um, synthesized the steps that I took once I made that realization of, um, I had that realization of, um, of, and that I needed to reconnect with my inner self. Yep. I have, I, it took me a few years. It wasn't like it was an overnight success. That took, that, after that took a few years as well. Um, but I've synthesized that. And, um, and that, is the, that is the seven steps that I have put into the book Against the Grain. And I've created a program around that yeah. uh, where I will mentor you through those seven steps. And, to, you know, and it's, just, it's called Mastery working with identifying what your outer purpose is that feeds your inner purpose and what is it you want to be and have in life and 
we go through meditation, we go through stillness, we go through what, how, how, how to charge your challenges, how have your failures, how have your judgments served you, and, um, how, and then how to monetize your gifts. So it's, it's half online, half one-on-one, and half group. So that's three halves. Sounds interesting. Thank yeah. you, thanks for your time. Yeah, that was brilliant. Unless you've got anything else, I think. No, that was amazing. That was great. Cool. What Adam, thanks for Bill. No worries. What are you up to for the rest of the day? I'm actually taking the afternoon off because my brother is in London. I haven't seen him for oh, years. Nice. So I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up with my, my siblings, as you can imagine. So yeah. um, I only, only um, made contact with them many, many, yeah. many yeah. after I escaped. Oh, so, Br- yeah, so. brilliant afternoon and go spend some time with that. That's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, I would say, well, clearly this is going to be a very uh, original and unique episode when it goes out. So really... <laughs> I mean, thanks so much for your time. If you need anything with whatever little ventures or crazy things you're up to in the future, just don't don't be shy and hit me up. I'll, I, if I can help out in any way, I'll, I'll definitely return the favour. Awesome. Thank you, cool. Adam. Take Cheers. care. See you later. Bye. Bye. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless. If you'd like to sponsor any or all of the Awaken Your Alpha podcasts, just get in touch. Uh, we are currently in over 70 countries and with over 10,000 downloads in 48 of the America states and uh, UK is our biggest market so far closely followed by United States and then Australia so get in touch today whether you've got a, a product, a book, a launch or something that's going on or you're just a big bad boy company who wants to have a regular spot check out this fantastic podcast do the little guy a favor subscribe and review it'll help get him off my back Awaken your alpha podcast. Live limitless.